love not typing. Not my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And we are live and wired on the DC TV podcast YouTube channel and the Supergirl Radio Facebook page to discuss and review Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1, the first of a three-part animated adaptation of the classic comic book event, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now, Morgan, I'm trying to remember, we've talked about Crisis on and off, but we've never actually read the comic for the podcast, have we? I mean, I've read it before. I have not read it. And if I had, it would have been for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I know we haven't talked about it. So maybe we should, but we'll talk about that later. Maybe that'll be something that we'll dig into. But um, uh, so we are going to be talking about this crisis Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, animated animated adaptation. Very difficult to say. We've also talked about the crisis version in the Arrowverse. So we've uh, gone uh, through that as well. Some similarities, some differences. Uh, So we'll have to uh, dig into what the uh, uh, animated movie uh, did with it. And I've I've got some comic book things that I can bring into this discussion if you have any questions. Um, So we will uh, broach it from that uh, angle too, from the comic comic book perspective as well. But before we get into talking about crisis, we need to get to the news. Uh, and oh, here it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, according to TVLine.com, The Girls on the Bus, starring Melissa Benoist, will premiere on Max this March, though a precise release date has not yet been set. <laughs> Just like just pencil in your calendar <laughs> March for this, and you'll be you'll be ready the whole month of March. Set <laughs> aside. Oh, could happen plans? at any moment. You had plans, not anymore. Wait, wait in front of the TV. <laughs> It'll be on one of those days. Uh, so the comedic drama is inspired by a chapter in Amy. Oh boy, uh, Amy Chozix. Uh, seems right. That seems right. Uh, 2018 novel Chasing Hillary, which was based on the author's time covering Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign as a political reporter. In The Girls on the Bus, Supergirl that... Benoist plays Sadie McCarthy, a journalist who romanticizes the original boys on the bus and who scrapped her whole life for her own shot at covering a presidential campaign for the paper of record. Sadie hits the trail and eventually bonds with three female competitors per the official logline. Despite their differences, these women became uh, become a found family with a front row seat to the greatest soap opera in town, the battle for the White House. So remember, March. <laughs> Just <laughs> sometime it's going to happen. Um, this is not a TV show that I would probably want to watch. 
Uh, but I'll check it out for Melissa Benoist. Uh, maybe if there is a uh, a first episode, we could do a pilot pod since we've been catching up with all the Supergirl actors. Uh, but this is not one I would choose if Melissa was not in it. Uh, but uh, but I think uh, she'll probably be great in it. Uh, she's used to playing a reporter. She's, she's done true. that a lot. Yeah, she's got, she's got that experience already. It's so funny because I feel like I might have read this exact same article. And the article kind of goes on to how bizarre the um, the development of this show was. Like it was originally developed for Netflix. And then Netflix was like, LOL, nah. And then it <laughs> folded to the CW. And the CW was like, we're imploding. And then, <laughs> so it went from the CW to uh, Max. And now Max is like, we can't wait to premiere this show pencil in (laughs) on your calendar and uh i mean i feel like things on max aren't doing great because they keep on like just disappearing things so you know watch it while you can i guess on max is the point i'm making (laughs) yeah i did see that it was in development since 2019 so it's been some time could you imagine (laughs) it's been about four years uh yeah Uh. so that that'll be something i i'm just not really big into like political stuff like i'm not really yeah to be fair honestly i don't think i am either i i haven't even watched like the west wing like i haven't nope. even watched like the big political show that everybody watches so yeah this will be this will be kind of a outside of my usual tv watching uh genres where i like them um, if like somebody's diving into like a haunted pond or something like, <laughs> when, they, when they uh unknowingly murder their father yes <laughs> whoop <laughs> he's like oopsies (laughs) which uh i'm gonna add my own news item which is that i was clicking around yesterday and i noticed that uh the way home kyler lee's um time travel pond show is back for season two and i like i went like fist pumped in the air back in town (laughs) side note I found the end of season one to be completely ridiculous and very <laughs> depressing. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to come back for season two. I got to find out where that pond's going to sit. They're in like the 1800s now. <laughs> the dog is immortal. <laughs> They've all killed. <laughs> Uh, we I might have to wait. do a follow-up to the way <laughs> what, what if like the pond is like got a taste for like for like murder now <laughs> just keeps sending her back to like places like kill different family members <laughs> at some point this is a total tangent from what we're talking about but if if i time traveled and found out that I actually was the reason that my dad died. I think I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm finished with the time travel you, here. You know I don't what? think I'm going to do it anymore. You know what? Maybe I'm bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't all be good at everything. Maybe I'm bad at this. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Papa. <laughs> what, what we're saying is watch the way home. It's it's a wild, wild time, <laughs> but Kyler Lee is great. It happens in the nineties. So there's like so many like little chokers. And- <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the way home is uh Kyler uh, Lee's new endeavor and uh, girls on the bus is uh, Melissa Benoist's uh, a long awaited endeavor that will be coming sometime. We don't know exactly when sometime we'll, we'll be looking out for March. it. <laughs> uh, uh, I see Rachel in the chat mentioned this, which I also uh, read in that article and then forgot promptly. But uh, Tala, Tala Ash uh, or Tala Ash from um, 
Legends of Tomorrow, who played Zari, is also actually in the Girls on the Bus. So there's a Supergirl Legends connection there. So that's I mean, uh, Arrowverse uh, uh, version two is happening on the (laughs) Girls on the Bus. There you go. That is something to look forward to, a little uh, Supergirl Legends crossover. Well, uh, speaking of big crossover events, I guess we should get uh, to talking about the movie that we gathered to discuss, which is... Uh, Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1, and the IMDb description for this film reads, quote, The Anti-Monitor, the Monitor's evil counterpart, is released in the DC uh, multiverse and begins to destroy the different Earths that compose it. The Monitor attempts to recruit heroes from across the multiverse, but is murdered, unquote. Which is not, uh, did was he murdered in this movie? I don't remember I that. You, I don't think. I don't think so. But spoiler alert! I guess, <laughs> I, guess but, I know what's happening. In <laughs> this is this, this is the description for part one for for IMDb. Uh, I copied and pasted, and then as I was reading it, I was like, "No, that did what? not happen in Wait this movie." You know what? Honestly, anything could have happened in this movie. <laughs> anything at all <laughs> seems right um uh but yeah that that description uh we we haven't met the anti-monitor yet no we uh, sure we haven't know, we know about the to monitor. the best of our knowledge <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of time tripping as they called it in this one uh so really maybe it's possible we missed it uh but morgan i guess uh just looking at this from a movie in terms of analyzing it as a film sure uh, what did you think about the the story and the narrative structure because this one was pretty timey-wimey there's a lot of it was not uh linear so yeah uh, what did you think about that storytelling choice i thought this one was a mess uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna be honest i i i was like okay as i started the movie and i was confused i was like okay they're doing like they were doing that thing where they just drop you right in they were like really trusting their audience (laughs) and then about 25 minutes in i was like i wish they would trust me less I, I I don't enjoy I don't enjoy being confused for like a solid half an hour like that's not it's an hour and a half movie. I'm like, I'm confused for a third of it. It it, it felt like they never really felt like they needed to explain anything. I, I, I feel like in a big, in a big way, this movie felt like part of a trilogy and that they were like, we'll get to the, we'll get to the explanations and stuff later. Don't worry about it. Like what later in the second movie or something? (laughs) I'm supposed to wait for a whole nother movie to get some sort of explanation. Like what is going on? And like, I I do, there were things that worked for me in the movie. I think the Barry and Iris stuff was really good, but yeah, the, the structure of this movie was all over the place. They were like, it's confusing because like Barry's confused. Cause he's like skipping through time. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm also confused. And I like, I watched this because I wanted to enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, yes, a controversial opinion, I guess. But, like, I wanted to enjoy and understand the thing that I was watching. And, like, that didn't really happen for me in this one. Yeah, it was uh, confusing to me also. I was trying to keep up with it. But at certain points, I was confused about how things were connecting. Um, uh, So the first movie that we have seen here, I don't know what happens in part two and part three, but they go immediately to 
all the worlds are ending and the end of it is them, I guess, saving the worlds, I guess. Did they save the multiverse by the end of this? I was very confused. So I wasn't, honestly, wasn't even clear on that. I wasn't clear. On, they saved something, maybe, but did they save everything? I, I don't know. And I was trying to 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 go with them because they go to different time periods and there's uh, different people uh, uh, in different instances. But I, w- I was having a hard time following Barry's time tripping uh, through everything. It was uh, maybe they could have uh, put up a, like a little lower third. Like this is where this is. This is what Earth we're on. This is uh, the time period that, you know, Barry is in right now because it goes back and forth to their wedding. And uh, so it was uh, it was very difficult to keep up with. And I was trying to make notes, but even still, I I was sort of losing it. And I was also immediately confused because it focused so much on the Flash. And yeah. the Flash is a big deal in Crisis, but this is not how Crisis in the comics. I mean, there were some elements in there, but uh, making it a Barry Iris story was uh, immediately confusing because I was like, this is, this is not... They were not the, fo- I mean, the flash, the eyes in crisis, spoiler alert, but this is not what, this is not how it's structured. So I was immediately thrown off by how flash centric it was, and which is fine. I mean, that's totally fine. But then it got to where it was so confusing that I couldn't keep up with it. And so uh, that made me very frustrated. Um, so I would agree this was a huge mess. Yeah. I, I also thought it was like a, like a little bit of a weird choice to be like, and this is when they made the justice league. I'm like, what, what, when you're exploding everything, that's when you're, gonna, <laughs> why bother? Why bother putting the justice league together at this point? Like, I don't know guys, maybe, maybe that would have been a little bit more impactful in like a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had to uh, form the justice league and I'll have to go back and uh, like watch the Tomorrowverse movies leading up to this before part two. Uh, Cause I don't know if they had actually formed the justice league in the Tomorrowverse prior to this. Was this a, like a flashback to a previous movie or were they having to cram it in here uh, for crisis because they needed all the superheroes to get together. So Mind the Gap says in the comments, they use this movie as a way to fill in blanks like we did not see the Justice League form in the last movies. They were they were hinted at coming together in the Justice Society movie okay. uh, but yeah. they didn't actually do that i guess so they were like i mean we listen we waited until the night before (laughs) the assignment was due and then like our dog kind of barfed on it but we were like we can still make this work (laughs) that actually feels right because parts of this movie and we'll get to the supergirl stuff (laughs) felt like they had read the cliff notes version of crisis and just started guessing at who characters were um so that's how it sort of felt to me (laughs) in the chat it says, uh, question, why even form the Justice League now in this movie? Which was the question I sort of had as well. Is like, in like, there's a lot of stuff usually moving pieces in crisis. Like, adding the Justice League forms felt a little bit too much. It's like, it doesn't, the story doesn't need that. That's a, that's a, that's a, a big story beat by itself. I, maybe we don't do that in crisis. <laughs> I can, I can kind of buy it as a time tripping flashback. Like, Barry goes into that like part of his history 
and he relives that somehow because it's going to give him information about crisis. I can I can go with that. That one actually made sense to me. The other ones were like, oh, I don't know what's happening. Um, but the Justice League stuff made sense. And I, I think you need that in order to have them work as a team to save the multiverse. Um, but uh, some of that was just, I mean, the Iris uh, Barry relationship even was hard to kind of, you know, follow their trajectory. Um, Flash going in and out of things felt somewhat right to crisis. Uh, that seems to happen a lot in the um, original uh, um crisis event in the comic books where he's um, uh, encountering different characters and he's sort of coming in and out of time and he's very frazzled. Um, So that actually, I think, lines up with the comic. Um, But it being so heavily Flash was uh, strange to me. But that's good to know that they had not uh, formed the Justice League prior to this movie. That's actually very interesting that they did cut that corner. I see mine. The gap says in that <laughs> in that terrible green lantern, beware my power movie. There already was a justice league, but they never showed them form. So it seems like there was some talk about a justice league in previous movies, but this was the movie that we actually got to see them form up together. Yeah. This uh, green lantern would not be a movie that Morgan would want to watch because she, she I don't does care, not care for, for him. <laughs> She does not care for Green Lantern. Don't care for Green Lantern. Um, What I found um, perplexing about the Justice League stuff was that sometimes when they would be in that uh, the big satellite headquarters up in space, there would be multiple versions of them. But then it would be confusing as to who knew who. And because there was a Robin who came to talk to Batman, but, but it wasn't the Robin he had been connected with. And I was like, what? It, so they're they're the same uh like bad characters but they're from different worlds and they don't seem to like batman had no concept of a rob like i was very confused and then they do a flashback of barry meeting bruce and dick grayson they come over to his house and dick's gonna go play video games with wally and i was just so confused by some of that even when i like i understood when the batman i guess of earth one met the Helena Wayne, as they pronounced <laughs> pronounced it, which I had major new, gripes with. It's new Helena. Pronunci- new pronunciation for me. <laughs> Every, everything, everything that I've ever seen that has a, a Huntress a character head. named that even. I've is never Helena even Wayne. encountered that pronunciation. Did you not watch the Birds of Prey TV show? Shame on you. <laughs> for shame. Um, but I, I understood the Batman Huntress thing because that's, you know, Earth 2. So I can assume that the Helena Wayne or the Helena Wayne was Earth 2 and this other Batman was Batman uh, from Earth 1. But I was just, I was having so much trouble with the multiverse characters trying to figure out who knew who and who was understanding that there were multiverses in any form anyway. Because even the two Supermen, they looked so similar (laughs) that I couldn't tell which one was from what Earth. In the comic book, there, there are two distinct Supermen. One of them has like a kind of gray hair. He's sort of the kingdom come older Superman. So he's very distinct from the, uh, the sort of the prime earth, earth one Superman, but here they looked almost identical. So I was so confused as to who was who it was like the, it's like the Spider-Man pointing at himself meme. I was just like, 
what, what you you <laughs> I, what's what's happening here yeah that i was also confused uh, watching this movie made me realize that like oh this is like part of a continuation of these mo- of like multiple of these movies and and you should have apparently watched all of them like i i've seen only the the couple that we've watched for the podcast the legion of superheroes the movie. legion we've of superheroes yep. movie so i knew when dawn star uh, popped up i was like my girl um <laughs> i'm not happy about that um but <laughs> but i i felt a little out of the loop i was like question i was questioning things like why isn't wonder woman around like why wasn't wonder woman in the justice league why was it vixen like yeah they made a big deal of vixen vixen was all over the place which like good for her (laughs) uh obviously i love my girl vixen because uh she is related to amaya from legends of tomorrow so you know we go way back but still i mean not a usual inclusion in the justice league like not like one of the major characters and then to have no Wonder Woman also made me like confused. There was, was is that something I missed from another movie? <laughs> there was a Wonder Woman. So there's uh, oh, she was like an alternate. Well, that's the crime syndicate, a superwoman. But there was a Wonder Woman who uh kissed one of the supermen. Yes. Called him Cow. And so I was like, I guess that's a Wonder Woman and a Superman from another Earth. So I it, I was having to guess at a lot of things, and I didn't like having to guess. Yeah, that was like kind of my confusion was like, okay, so there is Wonder Woman. It's like she does exist, but like she's not does she not exist in this in this earth, like the earth that we're spending most of our time on because we see her later when they gather up all the heroes and they're like, "Here's your makeover. Here's your makeover." Uh and then like you mentioned, there was the um there was the Superman who was with Lois from this the the version of reality we were watching, but then there was also another Superman whose Lois had d- long since died. Uh, who was like, well, Wonder Woman's right there, though. <laughs> I think he was supposed to be the older Superman, but he didn't was look he? it. <laughs> he did. He did. He looks great. His skincare regimen is on point. He's like, listen, it is a ten step process, but you're gonna be thankful later. He just like tells. He starts pulling out products for Clark. He said something to the effect of like, uh, I bet you're uh, uh, glad to know that your hairline is going to be okay. Oh, you're right. You're right. So I assumed he was older. Uh, So it was just very confusing to keep up with uh, who was who. And then narratively, I think it was very hard to follow what they were doing. And also, I thought it was so rushed. Like you have three movies. What are the other two movies going to (laughs) be? Yeah, I... I have, I, I left with, I started with a lot of questions. I left with a lot of questions. I had a lot of questions the whole way through. <laughs> I never had less questions is the amazing thing about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the question himself was in it asking questions. He was, that guy was, that guy was a real champ. I was like, this guy and me, we understand that nothing makes sense that we're watching. And at least this guy is in this movie being like, what's up? <laughs> Still didn't answer his questions so the question still has questions about what's going on still so many questions so many questions (laughs) i was i was texting i was texting rebecca as i was watching this going rebecca i've never been so confused rebecca what is happening (laughs) (laughs) and i think i wrote back something like i'm so mad about it (laughs) (laughs) i i knew it was i knew it was going to be dicey when before i watched it you said 
interested to see what you think. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. And then I was like, then I was like 20 minutes into the movie and I was like, ah, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, just an insight into Supergirl Radio. Normally, uh, Morgan and I will talk about like what we're gonna discuss the next week, but we we try not to like have a discussion about it uh, before the podcast. We'll we'll usually kind of just watch it on our own, and then we come bring our thoughts. Uh, but I know it's going to be something we're going to have hot takes on when both of us like want to talk about it before the podcast. <laughs> exactly. But I was like, wait, wait, hold on, real real quick. <laughs> What did I just watch? <laughs> so I was like, uh, Morgan's got the same feelings I do, apparently. Um, okay, I guess we should just uh, get to the real heart of the matter. I think that we both have real issues with um, uh, because uh, Brian uh, is also confused in the chat. Uh, <laughs> the question is, Supergirl was Harbinger? Uh, and the answer to that, we do have an answer to that. Yes. Uh, yep. Supergirl is indeed a harbinger in this version of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, this is where I thought that uh, maybe they just did the Cliff Notes version and they were thumbing through Crisis in the comics and they just happened to, you know, uh, go on some pages where they saw a blonde lady with some blue and red in her <laughs> suit and they were like, oh, that must be Supergirl. Because that's the only reason ah, I can think of why um, she would be uh, known as Harbinger and acting as Harbinger in this movie. Because, um, uh, spoiler alert, Harbinger is the one who kills the Monitor. She's brainwashed by the Anti-Monitor, and she murders the Monitor. So uh, I don't know if that's where they will take Supergirl as Harbinger, Um but it could happen. We do know from the uh, IMDb description that the monitor is murdered. Um, so uh, we might see Supergirl murder the monitor. I don't know at this point. It's hard to uh, uh, determine where they're going to go with this. I, I guess, Morgan, my questions about this for you are, um, do you think this is something that they can take liberties with? Because in the comic, Supergirl is not Harbinger. Um, even in the Arrowverse, Lila, who was married to Diggle, she becomes Harbinger um, oh, that's in, right. in the Arrowverse crisis version. But I personally think that's fine because her name is Lila. Harbinger's name in the comics is Lila. So it made sense to me on the Arrowverse version that Lila would become Harbinger. And she's also kind of, no offense to all the Lila fans out there, but she's kind of a, a minor character. She's not, she's not one of the main leads. And so you can kind of play with that character a little bit and make her more important in a big five episode crossover event on TV. Um, but I don't know how I feel about this uh, Supergirl Harbinger thing. I mostly dislike it, uh, but I'm curious what you think about it. <laughs> I was mostly confused. So I haven't read the crisis storyline as we've established. I have uh, I have some knowledge of like the broad strokes of like what happens in crisis. Uh, and I obviously I watched the Arrowverse crisis. But even before that, I remember there was like a lot of references to crisis like back in the back in the early 2000s that i would like watch super uh, smallville and people would discuss like well post crisis and i would like look up like what is crisis <laughs> uh, but i am by no means an expert i haven't read the original comic on which it's based even that said i was like that what how why that didn't i'm sure that hasn't and then i asked rebecca about it i was like 
why why is she harbinger (laughs) (laughs) i was just very confused it it didn't make any sense to me and then the way that they revealed it was also a little strange just like dawnstar Hey girl, it's me. <laughs> like I, I almost fell off of the the couch when that happened. I was like, "What? What is happening? Truly, what is happening in this movie?" Yeah, Dawn Star doesn't seem to recognize Supergirl as Harbinger, and so she transforms out of the Harbinger identity and then becomes Supergirl again. And Dawn Star recognizes her as Kara. But at that point, why why make her transform into Harbinger? Why is she? A separate thing now yeah i don't yeah i don't know why that was kind of my thing is if if you're gonna have supergirl be the person who like collects all the pokemon or whatever <laughs> uh all the gets all the superheroes in one place why couldn't she just do that as supergirl like exactly what benefit did having like flame hair add to the equation because i feel like arguably she knows some of these superheroes if she popped up and she was like the world's ending they would take it more seriously than like some random like a fire person who they don't know popping up like randomly in the middle of a wedding like i would take it a little bit more seriously if it was like my pal or like my 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 good friend's cousin you know (laughs) like oh she's legit not not the fire lady the fire lady i'd be like Ma'am, not now. (laughs) (laughs) The only reason I can think of is that they need someone to be Harbinger. They want to be faithful to the comic in that aspect, that they want a Harbinger because a Harbinger needs to kill the Monitor. And uh, so I guess that's something they need to have that character. But again, they could have just had a Harbinger character that didn't need to be Supergirl. Um, I appreciate them wanting to give Supergirl more to do, but what she does in the original comic book is enough. She has uh, great scenes with Batgirl. She does a big heroic thing to save Superman. You don't really need to give her more. I think what she does in the original book is enough. Um, So I just thought it was a very, very strange choice. And uh, I'm a little miffed because in the Arrowverse crisis, she doesn't do the thing that she's known for in the comic book version. She doesn't die saving Superman. She kind of, like, they kind of hinted she might do something dangerous, but she doesn't die. And then in this one, it's like, well, I don't even know if she's going to do that in this animated version because now she's a totally different character doing totally different things now. So I have no idea what they're doing with Supergirl, and I'm very perplexed about it it's 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 strange there's they also sort of introduce this concept that supergirl is is harbinger and then there's no follow-up on it so it's like why why is she how is she when did she no you know any of the questions any like sort of standard journalistic questions who what when why how none of them are answered in this situation she just is and you should accept it and you should not ask follow-up questions about it. Just made me, like, isn't everybody who watches this movie going to be like, what? Why? What? <laughs> when? <laughs> I, I, out loud while watching the movie, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I screamed in my TV when Harbinger uh, got revealed as Supergirl. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's a, uh, it's a 
it's a bad choice. I, I don't think it's necessary. I think it could have been just a Harbinger character because now if you introduce her as Harbinger, you might as well uh, take her through the whole thread, have her kill the monitor, have her be brainwashed, have her do all this stuff. I don't know if they're going to introduce the, uh, the uh the baby child of one of the earth's lex luther and lois lane because he becomes Ooh. a big part of the comic book um she our harbinger has an interaction with him and so i don't know if they're gonna do all that and i just i just wish that somebody would do crisis with supergirl the way it was supposed to do it um and i understand that with with adaptations like you can you can change things a little bit but i think there's so much that's been changed with this and there's no excuse. You have three movies, you have a, a potentially six hours to do this. Yeah. You, know, you could, you could take your time with it. it. That that's kind of like part of the shame of it. I think is that there have been a lot of sort of on screen multiverse crisis -y kind of things recently, but they're usually like sort of shoved into an existing universe a little bit more where like the Arrowverse had like a lot of different uh a lot of different things it had to hit on it couldn't be like comic book accurate and like i understand that this is coming at the end of this kind of animated cinematic universe but it feels like because it's animation they could be a little bit more close to the comics like it, arguably they could be like they could do a a much more comic accurate version of this story and that doesn't feel like the way it's going. Yeah, uh, I have no idea what's going to be happening now because it feels like they wrapped up a lot of stuff in this first movie. And so now I don't know. I guess I guess part two uh, will show us how Kara becomes Harbinger, I guess. That's that's what I'm assuming happens. Um, but I, I guess on that, we'll, we'll just have to keep waiting and seeing because uh, we have no idea at this point. Um, I guess we could talk about the other aspect of Supergirl uh, that was included in this movie was uh, her connection to Brainy that is following up on the Legion of Superheroes movie and the fact that she is seeing that uh, all of these other characters are sort of disintegrating and they're trying to communicate with uh, the Legion and uh, they're only able to really communicate. They can't do much in terms of time travel, except for the Flash can't somehow. Um, so uh, I did like that little car brainy moment, uh, but the Harbinger stuff was very strange. Yeah, I see a, a comment in the chat from Rachel who says, uh, my impression was that because this first part was framed around Barry, uh, the next part would be about Kara and telling the story of how she got to be where she is in part one. I I certainly hope that's the case. I could see an argument for that being what they're kind of after, what they're kind of thinking about doing, especially as the movie ends with Kara, you know, watching her her girl her girl her and my girl Dawnstar disappear. Ah, Dawnstar, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then and then watching Brainy also sort of disappear um, and disintegrate while he's he tells her that he loves her. Yeah. Um. So yeah, big emotional moment for Kara and her character. It, right at the end of the movie, does seem to be setting up like a big storyline for her in the second movie. I would sure hope that it covers why she decided to like get her a flame hair makeover. <laughs> yeah. Well, how did she get brainwashed? Into thinking she was, <laughs> But it doesn't even seem like she's brainwashed in the comics. Harbinger is brainwashed to 
murder the monitor and she's sort of half working for the monitor and half working for the anti-monitor but it, it seemed like Kara knew what she was doing as harbinger so i i don't know i don't know where they're going to take that um but it uh could be explained in the second part um i guess were there uh any other things morgan in terms of the story or the characters that you wanted to bring up that we haven't already talked about um, uh, the one thing I will say is as confused as I was with this movie and the answer was very confused. Uh, I did like the, the Barry and Iris stuff. Did I always follow what was happening with it? Like the rest of this movie, the answer is no. Uh, but I thought that like, at least emotionally, it kind of grounded the movie, uh, with like this sort of central relationship we get to see when they met. We get to see, unfortunately, Iris's death. I, I thought that the twist of the uh, at the end of the movie, which is that um, to save Iris, he s- slows down time so much for just the two of them mm. that they essentially like live a whole life in the like seconds uh, between um, you know when the the world destroying you know energy would have come in like destroyed the whole world allowing them to sort of build up with the help of amazo mm-hmm. um build Who up doesn't really have anything to do with the comic book story, <laughs> it's fine but was actually the mvp of this movie i, yeah, think. Yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. Oh, that was the only time i felt anything was either iris and barry's story or when amazo was like i did good and i was like yes you did <laughs> crying he fulfilled um, his primary function of pro- prolonging human life <laughs> he really did um but yeah i thought that like that that concept was pretty cool and also like very sad and did leave me more questions i was like okay so like every day they were just like walking past the the beam that was getting like a little bit closer for like 50 years and that seems dark they're the only ones in the whole world uh but i thought that that concept at least was interesting um they they didn't do a ton with it because it's like not until the end of the movie that you realize like that's what is happening or what has happened but i thought as a concept it's like both kind of lovely for this this couple and also very dark uh i not until we've just had this conversation did i realize that that's what was happening <laughs> so thank you for uh well they uh, didn't explain that. it they didn't explain it very well at all you Rebecca. got that and i didn't <laughs> i was just kind of like i guess this is still part of the time tripping stuff <laughs> like i didn't know but actually hearing you explain it i was like that actually, I could see that happening. So uh, thank you for explaining something I did not understand. To the, the best of my uh, understanding of the movie, which is n- not much, uh, they because they didn't, they wouldn't have had enough, he wouldn't have had enough time to, like, they hadn't built his tower yet. They hadn't finished right. his tower to, like, contain the energy or whatever, whatever, you know, superhero mumbo jumbo they were doing. Uh, so instead, when he slowed down the time, he and Iris and Amazo, a, a very good robot, like, <laughs> built up the tower themselves with all of the many years that they had to figure it out. Iris had, like, a tool built and everything. Iris was ready. I mean, that that heart attack did take her down, but she was, before that, <laughs> she was ready. Um, and... Uh, and and that's sort of what happened is that they they sort of existed in this sort of liminal space in the minutes it would have taken 
that wave to destroy everything. Um, for them, it was, you know, 50 or, you know, something years, but for everybody else, it was only a couple of minutes and they managed to build up that tower and add a mezzo in there to basically save the day. Uh, that was my understanding, but it wasn't explained. I don't think in a, a very clear way at all. Yeah, but I, I think you got it though. I think you you understood that a lot better than I did. I did think that um, in terms of the filmmaking aspect of it, I think one of the things that really sticks out to me visually is when Amazo does die. I guess if you say that for a robot, he uh, he uh, gets sort of taken apart a little bit. Uh, what I did like was Barry sort of falls to the ground and he faces Amazo. And uh, I, I liked the way the composition was on that, where he was sort of coming to face to face with Amazo and and what they did together. Uh, so I did think that that was very emotional and um, uh, well done and uh, f- uh, filmmaking wise. Uh, but it was it was a lot to take in because there was an Amazo. There was like two different Amazo fights, and I was kind of confused as to why Amazo was even in this story. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a lot, but Amazo did have, uh, I guess an arc in some way. If, if you were going to give any character, like, I don't know that really, I guess Barry and Iris have arcs in this, uh, but, uh, not a lot. Um, so there was, uh, there was an emotional, um, uh, touch point with not only Barry and Iris, but also with uh, Barry and Amazo as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think to your point, um, um, ironically enough, Amazo arguably has the best and most logical, like l- most linear character arc in this movie. Amazo, the robot. Uh, it's like nobody, everybody else is sort of all over the place. We just kind of, because of Barry just sort of dipping in and out at various points in people's lives. Like it's hard to track where anybody is like in time, emotionally, anything like that. But Amazo is pretty easy. It's like, okay, he was, he was being used for evil by Lex Luthor and manipulated. And then he saved some people. And then he was like, he came back around, he helped them build the thing, and then he gave up his life to, you know, fulfill his prime directive. And in that moment before he died, he understood that he saved people's lives. Beautiful. <laughs> you know, no notes. Two chefs kisses for Amazo. Everybody else's story was all over the truly all over the place. Batman, I don't know, but Amazo, Amazo, he had a great character arc. Yeah, uh, so I think that one, job well done. Yeah, Um, I mean, uh, if you would ask me who's going to have the best character arc in the Crisis movie, Amazo wouldn't have been the first one (laughs) that I would have guessed. But, you know, you live and you learn. (laughs) Uh, So I guess that is their uh, uh, writer's choice that they have depicted Amazo in such a way that you cheer for him. Um, I guess we could talk some, talk about some other characters that we briefly mentioned, but I'm curious about your thoughts on them. So uh, the crime syndicate, syndicate, um, we get introduced to the Earth-3 uh, bad guy version of the Justice League. So uh, yeah. we get characters like Ultraman, who is this uh, cussing, doesn't care version of Superman who just wants to punch a bunch of stuff. 
and uh, we we get a power ring and Owl Man, and then um, Johnny Quick, who is the Flash version, and we also get Superwoman, who is the uh, the uh, evil version of Wonder Woman. So I was curious, what did you think about the crime syndicate? Because they do uh, have a uh, a big story at the beginning of the crisis uh, comic book story. Uh, Earth three does get destroyed. Um, so that was actually pretty accurate for uh, the movie depicting uh, this comic book event. So what did you think about the crime syndicate? I, I always think it's kind of fun when we see like the evil version of characters. So honestly, I, I kind of liked them. I was like, oh, yeah, the crime syndicate. I also like that um, the evil Superman had like, he was like wearing eyeliner. Uh, I don't, I don't know why it's just, it, it was just kind of personally funny to me. It's like, he's like, he's like, I'm dark and edgy. It's like, a, he's like an emo kid from 2005. It's like, you're never going to understand me, mom. <laughs> I, I thought that the evil flash was actually like pretty funny. I like that their banter back and forth where he was like, you're slowing me down. And then when they're running, uh, <laughs> Base, it seems like maybe the reason that Barry manages to outrun the Earth ending in in that Earth is because he got taken out by a car, and therefore he, our Barry, gets all of the speed force. Uh, so I thought that that was kind of interesting too. I thought there was kind of poignant moments where they they realized that like the world is ending and they might as well try to you know yeah. try to defend it because it's like you know the only world they have. But I just like that they're they're, they're mostly all awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the fun of having a an evil Justice League is to see what it would be like if they uh, all went bad. I did think it was interesting that they had become the quote worldwide absolute government. These these were the governing authorities of the entire world. Uh, yeah. I guess I guess if you had the Justice League go bad, who would who would oppose them? Who could <laughs> oppose them? Really? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they would be the worldwide uh, absolute government in that instance. Uh, I see Rachel has a good question. I wanted to also ask you in the chat. Um, Rachel says, why is Wonder Woman in the crime? Uh, why is Superwoman in the crime syndicate Wonder Woman's name when regular Superwoman is usually Lucy or Lois Lane? My guess is that uh, Superwoman comes later. Uh, so mm. I, I don't I don't know that Superwoman. <laughs> I don't know if Superwoman, somebody have to look this up, but Superwoman, I think, is most prominently uh, depicted in the Sterling Gates Supergirl run. Um, so that's when the, the Lucy and the Lois Lane connection comes in. So uh, if there yeah. is a Superwoman mentioned when like Lois Lane becomes super, uh, maybe it happened in some Silver Age or some early Golden Age stuff. But uh, I don't think it really stuck around until the Sterling Gates run when Lucy Lane became Superwoman. So my guess is that when uh, the crime syndicate was created, which would have been probably much earlier than that crime syndicate. So, uh, so Brian in the chat says, I think that's a post-crisis thing. I don't think they ever had names until the 1990s. So the Crime Syndicate of America uh, first issue was August 1964, Justice League of America number 29. 
Um, so they've been around for a long time. Let's see, Superwoman. Uh, when did you, she was? Uh, her first appearance was August 1964, Justice League of America number 29. Um, so my guess is that uh, the Superwoman in the Crime Syndicate was created much earlier than the Superwoman of uh, Lucy Lane and the Sterling Gates run. So that that's my only explanation uh, and uh, answer to that question. Um, and I think Superwoman, as I read it in the comic book, the Crisis comic book, it was Super Dash Woman. Uh, but in some of these internet uh, entries, it's Superwoman No Dash, which I think is really interesting. That's uh, the old uh, Batman or Bat hyphen man. Uh, so that's mm -hmm. uh, very confusing uh, to see how people uh, write it out. Um, I guess uh, another thing that we could talk about, uh, another one of my many questions that I had, Morgan, who is this homeless man who keeps popping up around uh, Barry Allen? He has a great beard. And great I really beard. love his hoodie, but uh, <laughs> what is this guy's deal? Uh, yeah, I had many questions about, about this guy. I really thought that the movie was going to end with a reveal of some kind. Oh, like, wouldn't that be something? Who is he? Because I, I thought at first, be again, because I I haven't read as much of the comics. I don't have like an encyclopedic knowledge of, of things. I was like, oh, I'm sure I'm sure the really the hardcore comics people who know all this stuff. I'm sure they're watching and they know exactly who this guy is. And then I was texting with you and you were like, who is the who is that guy with the beard? And I was like, OK, so not just me. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not, not just me. me. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was it was strange that they never revealed who he was i i don't i mean th there are probably hints but i didn't pick any of them up um yeah i thought it was a strange choice to have this sort of prominent character sort of dipping in and out of the narrative and to never reveal who he is and again it's part of the the thing where this movie is like it's a it's a movie, but it's also just a part of a larger story. So it doesn't feel honestly, it doesn't feel like a like a full finished film to me. It's like if you just watched this and then skipped off on your merry way, you would not have enough of the story, really. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think given his magic, I think he might be John Constantine. Maybe ah. it looks. It looked like Constantine, like occultic sort of uh, evil magic to me. Uh, so I don't know a lot about Constantine, but that sort of res resembles a John Constantine. But I was also really confused because he kept popping up in different places. And he talked about how um, Barry was supposed to bear witness. And that to me felt like pariah in the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, comic book story. So I don't know if he is used as John Constantine because that's what they have in the Tomorrowverse, but they're using him in that pariah uh, sort of place setting. They're using him as the pariah-esque character, uh, pariah-esque character um, to fulfill that part of the story. But then I was also like, is he somehow the specter? Because the specter comes into play with some things. And so I I was very confused. Um, I even sort of looked up the character. Uh, let me see. 
uh, Orion, A-R-I-O-N, from the original comic as I was sort of going back through the comic uh, in preparation for our discussion this week. I was like, could it be him? So I don't know if he is like Constantine, but also fulfilling different character uh, positions in the story. I'm not really sure, but uh, I, I wish that they had revealed him at some point because they're dropping in these weird things and then they're not telling us who these people are, what they're doing. Yeah. And it's uh, even to me, it's very confusing, confusing. I see a, a comment in the chat from Mind the Gap who says, uh, and I'm going to butcher this, apoc Apocalypse War? Yep. Um, with con uh, Ends with Constantine telling Flash his only way to save the Earth after Darkseid's invasion was doing a Flashpoint on purpose. So is that yeah. is supposed to be a thing where it connects to that to that movie? Could it could be? Uh, that's good to know. I'm. I definitely need to get, uh, catch up on some of these Tomorrowverse movies. Yeah, uh, but it it would make sense if it was Constantine just visually. Um, but it is. Uh, it's not some like Constantine. I I cannot remember. I have to go back through it, but I don't remember him having that connection to the storyline. He uh, Constantine is in crisis, uh, but the character that's sort of going around when all the tragedy is happening is this character known as Pariah. Pariah shows up in the, uh, the Arrowverse version of crisis. Um, he's one of the, um, the Wells is, uh, <laughs> I forget which one he is, but he's, uh, he becomes Pariah. So that is, um, uh, I just thought it was weird that there was it, it to me. It's like, uh, I think we talked about this briefly earlier, but like this animated version they could do whatever they wanted. They could bring in these characters. And even if they hadn't been previously established, like Harbinger or Pariah, they could bring them in. And I don't think anybody would miss a beat. You could just bring in these characters like they did in the crisis comic book. Like, Oh, there are these people who just happened to show up. I would have bought it. Um, so uh, I, I don't know why they ended up doing it this way. Uh, Electra WWF and uh, Tevya also in the uh, chat uh, is reminding me that uh, Nash Wells is who becomes Pariah. He's one of the uh, the many Wells is one of the many many Wells. <laughs> so uh, so he did fulfill that part of the crisis story on TV. Um, I think there were some questions uh, by some folks in the chat about Psycho Pirates. So Psycho Pirate does. Uh, appear in the original comic book story and he is in this version he, he's not in the Arrowverse crisis but he is here in this Tomorrowverse uh, Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths part one just briefly he gets his he gets his suit uh, but he doesn't really do much as of yet but Psycho Pirate is a uh, a big character in the story he is able to uh, using his Medusa mask he's able to uh, manipulate people's emotions uh, so he can make people fear he can make people laugh he can make people uh, uh, happy sad scared uh, anxious whatever it is he can deal he can uh, tamper with your emotions so uh, I'm guessing psycho pirate 
in parts two or three will become much more important uh, on down the line. Uh, I was wondering who he was. I was like, who is this theater man? (laughs) (laughs) So he is one of the characters. And I guess this is something actually we could also discuss. Um, He is one of the two characters who uses this fabricator machine where Anything you think of in terms of a, a clothing, you can walk into this machine and the machine will just magically uh, give you a costume of sorts. <laughs> um, so it's Psycho Pirate and Dr. Light who uh, get their magical transformations. Um, so, uh, Morgan, did you have any thoughts about uh, being able, would you, would you want to walk into a fabricator and be able to create your own designs that you have in your head? Oh my God, my closet would be so clean if that was the case. If I just had a fabricator, I would, I would be so minimalistic. I just think it's really funny that they were like anything you can imagine. And like they imagine like the weirdest outfits you can imagine. It's like, I want like a weird mask on my face. And like I want the colors to kind of clash a little bit. <laughs> One guy was like, I really love the theater, Psycho Pirate. <laughs> like, I don't know. I thought that part was pretty funny. And Dr. Light seemed to not like her. She didn't seem to like her, her outfit, which I felt like, I was like, wait, I thought it went, it was like what they were thinking. Yeah. Like what kind of outfit they wanted. And she was like, ew. All right. (laughs) I think the fabricator just forced it upon her. I think the fabricator (laughs) was like, you like it, right? You like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, new Rachel says, I thought Kara would use the, uh, that machine to get her old suit back. I, I didn't see one. Uh, so, uh, we'll see if, uh, Supergirl, if Supergirl gets a suit, what would it look like? Would it look like the one from crisis? I do not know. Would she wear a headband? Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> Cause the, the Supergirl in crisis is wearing the headband ah. of, of her people. It's supposed to represent, uh, the Kryptonian people in the uh, comic book version of the story. Um, so yeah, characters are on the satellite using this fabricator machine to be able to change uh, their appearance. Electra in the chat says the monitor is just forcing people to try out his latest fashion <laughs> ideas. <laughs> I, lo- I love the idea that the, that the monitor is like, it's what you want to wear. So when you walk in, it, it's going to be like what you like, what you like. And then they go, like, I, I hate this. And he's like, do you hate it or do you love it? Right? You love it. Right? You would say it was like a bold sutorial choice. <laughs> Calm down, the monitor. Let people live. <laughs> yeah, he's tricking them into going in there because otherwise they probably wouldn't do it. But if he says, no, this is totally your choice, uh, they're going to do it. He's like, so- it's, from my, it's, it's from my spring collection. <laughs> Psycho Pirate by the Monitor. (laughs) Now, that would be a great part, too. Listen, I would sign up for that. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, uh, Mind the Gap says the Monitor is an aspiring fashion designer. So we'll see if anybody else uses this fabricator machine. I think this is a great addition to the DC Comics mythos. I love it. Uh, I'm okay with this uh, uh, playing with the, you know, the liberties of uh, making Crisis your own. So uh, that I did enjoy. I, I hope the fabricator is the the main robot character in the second movie. <laughs> I, hope, I hope the fabricator goes 
through like a really emotional character arc <laughs> when, when no one else does in the movie. <laughs> I hope he has a big moment. Like they all have to uh, like change their suits into some uh, unified uh, maybe things so that they can all be part of a team. And he has to figure out what that suit is going to look like. I hope he, I hope he gets uh, some big moment in part two. I, I I'm pulling for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess the only other thing I would say in, in terms of the story, there was some dialogue that stuck out to me that I thought was really interesting. And I guess I should have mentioned this when we were talking about Barry and Iris and them slowing down time so that they could spend time together. But uh, Superwoman uh, asks Barry Allen, how would you like to die speedster? And he, he responds, old age and uh, oh. I, I thought that was a great uh line of dialogue i know i've kind of uh not been real pleased with the storytelling here but i did like that uh exchange in uh dialogue um for what they were talking about because um it wasn't like how you want to die in terms of like some gruesome death he just wanted to live a long life and be with iris so i thought that that was really good um I, I guess uh, the only uh, I'm trying to go through my notes to find out things that we haven't mentioned yeah, yet. And I'm trying to, uh, I'm going through the chat. I started some questions. I see one that says, um, why did Spectre blame Barry Allen for the crisis? Um, let's see. So the Spectre- <laughs> I'm also not clear. Somebody does blame him um, for something at one point, And I was like, what did he do? So what I wrote down about the Spectre, and this is a good segue because I was uh, wanting to talk about the Spectre. Um, he says that he is the wrath of God. And I immediately went, oh, so there's a God in this universe. That's interesting. Um, uh, I would like to know more about that. Uh, then he says that Barry bears responsibility for what has happened. Don't know what that's about. In what uh, way? How? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because Barry was selfish and he took all that time uh, with Iris. I don't really know. And then he says that the Speed Force will grant Barry farewells when the time comes. So it does seem to hint that uh, possibly that Barry is uh, to blame for what is happening. And so that's why he will eventually have to die to sort of pay for his sins metaphorically, I guess. And so before he dies, the speed force will allow him to say goodbye to, to people he cares about. Um, so that's to me, I thought that was foreshadowing his death, but I don't even know anymore because of Supergirl's harbinger. Is she going to die? Because that's a, the big thing about <laughs> Supergirl in crisis. I don't know if that's going to happen. If Supergirl doesn't die, is the flash going to die? I don't know what's going to happen in this story. Um, so they're really keeping me on my toes uh, just from, being very confusing yeah. so uh so no we don't know the answer to that we just know that he bears responsibility for what has happened yeah it was a. Uh, I was just overall confused so i there the, i do remember that somebody you know saying that he was responsible for something and i was like in what way <laughs> uh but we i guess we will find that out in a future movie so yeah, I guess we'll we'll see what uh, Barry has to do in order to um, bear that responsibility and uh, 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 say farewell to the people he is uh, very close to. 
Um, I, I saw uh, yes. Mind the Gap had a theory, which is if, and it's a big if, the Apocalypse War ending started the Tomorrowverse, then Constantine and Flash are being punished for changing the universe. Oh, interesting. Sh- sure. I well, mean... I would blame him for it too. Then that then it would be his fault pretty directly. <laughs> <laughs> and for Constantine to be coming back to the Flash, if he is the bearded homeless man, I guess that would make sense. So we, what is this movie that we need? Apocalypse War. Apparently, Apparently we, we need, need to, to watch, watch Apocalypse War because uh, I think we missed like most of the plot here if, if they are indeed connected together which mind the gap isn't even sure of by the way I think that's, <laughs> that's important to know like, if, if this is the case like giving us information but just maybe it's a reach i don't know it could be wrong but it could be wrong <laughs> how could we know how could we watch a movie and understand it <laughs> so um i don't know if that'll be a regular supergirl radio episode or maybe we do that as a we need to do a quarterly review we, so we do maybe it's, it's kind of homework we need to do anyway so <laughs> maybe that's a, a future supergirl radio patreon uh plug plug uh, uh patreon.com slash supergirl radio if you want to hang out with us for that uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, I guess if we don't have any more comments, I know a lot of people, the, the chat's really hopping because everybody is really, is really trying hopping. to figure, in, figure I, out what's going on. I appreciate on. that the chat seems not as confused as me about this movie, <laughs> but more confused than I thought. I thought I was watching this movie and I was like, uh, you know what? My my lack of encyclopedic comic knowledge bites me again because I have no idea what's going on. And it's good to see so many questions like, where is this guy? What is <laughs> happening? <laughs> Why? <laughs> but uh, the chat is also giving us some leads about what we need to watch and, it, and it be is. prepared I'm for. furiously scribbling down notes. I'm ready. <laughs> Uh, I guess the uh, only other thing that I wanted to mention that's very, very minor, um, but a character that I love in the uh, comic book version, and I guess maybe next time I'll bring like comic book stuff of him, but there's a character in DC Comics known as Uncle Sam, and he looks just like Uncle Sam from the American <laughs> propaganda uh, stuff. But I, I saw him in the movie and I was like, ah, they put Uncle Sam in there. So it was kind of fun to see some of these sort of minor characters that appear in crisis. Some of them were sort of just hanging around talking to each other. So I saw you in there, Uncle Sam. We got I, I, I was very excited about that. So that, that did uh, bring a bright spot to my viewing experience for this one. I was trying to like look in the background in all those big group shots where they're all kind of milling around to see if I could like catch people, if I could like, oh wait, hold, who's that? Uh, but they 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 did not pan uh, long enough on a lot of them where I'd get like a little like a little glimpse of a character and I'd be like, oh, I think I know. No, nope. gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I, I think I saw like Metamorpho at one point. I think Black Canary was one of those characters. I, I think, think she's so. the one who like touched Barry's face. 
I think Ashley was supposed yeah, to be a blackberry. I, think, I don't I know. think so. Yeah, there were some of them where I, they almost they, where I was like, I almost think I know who that is, but I'm probably <laughs> I feel like I'm wrong. <laughs> so they did have a lot of characters that they were trying to include in um in this version of Crisis. So uh, I the only other thing I wanted to ask you about is the uh, just to see what your thoughts were. Um, there, there's a shot of two possibly prehistoric men uh, on a beach that the Flash sort of time trips into. Uh, what, what were your guesses on uh, what that was about? I truly had no idea what was happening there. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that one of them, I guess... There was like a, it looked like somebody had enslaved another person and it looked like the person in the chain was maybe the monitor, maybe. And the person uh, above him in power might have been the anti-monitor, like at the beginning of all of this is what I was guessing. Yeah, that, I mean, that is as good a guess as any. My guess was what? Uh, <laughs> I was like, wait, is it is it the man in black from from Lost and his brother? Is it- I'd be really excited <laughs> about that. Oh my god, everything's a bottle. <laughs> I-, <laughs> uh, I was really, I was so confused. I was like, we're on an island. There's like this guy with a beard. It, what are we? Are we caveman times? Like, what's happening? And then it it was I got no context, so I I had no idea. But the monitor and the anti monitor seems like a very solid guess. I now I'm going to be disappointed. There's no smoke monster. I know. <laughs> part two. Listen, part two. Baby. Part two like, could be anything. We possible. don't know at this point. It really could be anything. <laughs> so I'm wondering if part two will uh, introduce us to how the monitor and the anti because. We well, I don't know that we know about the anti monitor yet. I don't think so. I don't. We know about the big wave that's killing all the Earths, but I don't know that we know that there is a being behind it yet. Yeah, I don't think that they established that. I was like waiting around for something with the anti monitor to pop up, and I don't believe it did in this movie. So I don't feel like you're supposed to know that that's um that okay. Part of the story. So I have an update from the chat. Okay. This, this almost makes it worse. Okay. Mind, mind the gap. And even uh, I see it. Uh, Tevia oh, in the chat no. says uh, those guys who were one and was in chains uh, were from Justice League War World. And I think one of them was Batman. How much homework do we have to do to watch this movie? <laughs> So this what is, is so this is okay, why people so, complain about the Marvel movies that I'm finally understanding it. Like I finally get it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> wait, how many movies did I have to watch to watch this one single movie? <laughs> so why put that in there at all? Yeah, I don't I don't Why do you need why do you need that? I feel like it's good. I thought it was like, oh, this is definitely gonna this is definitely gonna be a big a big plot point in the next one. But if it turns out to just be like a throwaway, I'm going to be so mad. I, that makes it so much worse for me. Cause I thought if it was the monitor and the anti-monitor, it would be like a, like a tease to seeing the origin story. And I would understand that. But if it's just like something that happened in some other movie, that's disappointing actually. Yeah. Yeah. That makes I mean, it worse. I, I, I have to assume that it's going to connect in some way to this series of films. 
I have to assume that, right? <laughs> oh, yikes. Well, okay. Well, thank you, chat, for filling us in. So we got to watch Apocalypse War. We got to watch War World. <laughs> uh, so we've got we've got a list of movies that we got to watch now. Uh, so we've got homework to do. And eventually we'll get to the the Crisis comic book story and <laughs> get Morgan to read that. I, uh, CD Cube said uh, the difference between the, the DC, I guess these animated movies, the Marvel movies is that in the Marvel movies, they made a series in which you can watch one episode that tells you everything you need to know in order to watch it. I would... I would agree that like at least the Marvel movies are kind of cognizant that sometimes people don't watch all of them. And so there is, you know, a little bit of a clunky exposition where they're like, really? Like last year when we defeated, you know, when we defeated Green Goblin? And you're like, okay, last year they defeated Green Goblin. Ready to go into the story. This one, they're just like, yeah, you've watched and taken notes on the last five movies. Correct. This movie is still not going to be... understandable they just dropped something in from another movie and did not explain who those people were at all that's on us rebecca we did not <laughs> war world oh, you can't sell this as crisis because the homework for this is crisis on infinite earth you not the seven movies that have come before this the homework is crisis because it feels like the the point of crisis is like there's a bunch of different worlds and wacky stuff is happening in some of them <laughs> <laughs> and then like we're gonna condense and they're all gonna disappear and like we're gonna condense them all so it feels like crisis should be like a pretty easy entry point for somebody who say hasn't been watching 10 plus animated movies to just jump in and be like okay <laughs> I bet I can understand what's happening, but you would be wrong. So that is disappointing. Uh, Mark in the chat says there's a special feature attached to the film that says they actually play in the whole Tomorrowverse to culminate in crisis. Well, we got to start from movie one. We got to oh, go all the way back. No. no. <laughs> oh, my God. I also see Andy said, I can confirm that is Constantine. I interviewed him for Screen Rant and we talked about it. He even said in the script it was just homeless. Man. Oh, my gosh. Even in the script, it didn't explain. <laughs> even in the, it's like even in the script, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my uh. God. I don't want to be too complainy, but this was very difficult to watch. Uh, it was. As someone who has not come into the Tomorrowverse really uh, understanding and having done all the homework. Um, Mark does make a good point, which is that the homework for the original Crisis was like a hundred tie-in issues. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's always confusing. <laughs> but this one was especially confusing for me personally. Well, the original Crisis comic is like th- on on Comixology or my Kindle, however we're doing this now. Um, it's like 359 pages. It's a long story. Yeah. So I feel like having read almost 400 pages of a comic should prepare me for the adaptation of said comic but, but no, no i have to watch seven other movies <laughs> but, but once you watch those other seven movies you'll know as much as the people who were kind of confused in our chat <laughs> <laughs> i could be wrong but it does seem like even some people who have watched some of those movies are like i'm not real clear about it i guess <laughs> Maybe? i don't know i mean we're trying here uh yeah so uh i guess Let's. Uh, do you have anything else before we move on to overall thoughts about uh, part one? I'm just so confused. <laughs> <laughs> that is the overall thought. 
Um, I think the animation was pretty good. Uh, I it's visually uh, appealing to my eye. It's not to it's not bad to look at. I think some of the effects with the uh, the Earths being destroyed, I think, were pretty good. It was fun to see all the comic book characters, um, and there was some emotional. Um, there were a few emotional moments that I thought were were good, uh, but most of it was confusing and maddening uh, because, uh, especially for Supergirl, uh, this is a big deal for Supergirl. It's one of the biggest stories in her comic book history, and it feels like they're not even uh, attempting to honor that. I mean, I tell you, there's a great scene in the original co- Crisis comic where Supergirl's talking to Batgirl, and Batgirl is like, ugh, I'm a puny human. I'm paraphrasing all this. Like, I don't have superpowers. What can I do with this world-ending event? And Supergirl gives her these really great encouraging words and lifts Batgirl up a little bit. And it's and it's great because, spoiler alert, when Supergirl dies, Batgirl gives Supergirl's eulogy. And so it's, it's this great little arc that they have as friends. And, of course, Supergirl has this big... Uh, moment where she saves Superman and and does it at her own peril and that is enough for me as a Supergirl fan to have that be what's depicted but here they've chosen to do something that I have no idea why they chose to do this Um, so I think just from a Supergirl point of view that was enough to make me go okay no no on this but then everything else it was just so confusing the narrative structure was hard to follow I didn't know who was who, where they were, what they were doing. Um, it, it was it was not handled as well as I was hoping it would be. Yeah, I think I was just overall just very, very confused with with what was happening. Uh, I know that there's usually like a lot of moving pieces in like crisis story and it kind of it kind of needs you to know a little bit about the universe, but this felt like taking sort of what crisis, some of the challenges of crisis and then like amping them up to a hundred, like the, the movie made, made the structure incomprehensible on purpose. Um, like, like I mentioned, there were some good stuff that I liked. I liked the Barry and Iris stuff. I, you know, I liked, I liked Amazo's beautiful character arc. Um, it was nice to see Supergirl when she popped up, even though she had a weird role that she's never had in the comics. Is she even Supergirl? Like, I have questions. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, oh, my God. I don't know. Uh, like, the animation looked looked good. Uh, but, yeah, this one was just a puzzler. This one was a puzzler for me. <laughs> I was even puzzled at the opening uh, credits. Because the only one mentioned in the opening credits was Matt Bomer. Yes. None of the other Thank none you. of the other actors <laughs> were mentioned. And I was like, I spent a lot of time weird? Googling who did the voices for what. So on the opening credits, it was like Matt Bomer. And I was like, oh cool. I can't wait to see who else is in this. Just Matt Bomer then? <laughs> I, I kept uh, it's so funny that you brought this up because I like Mike watched that my husband watched this with me, and he was like, could it's it's fine. I was like, it's not fine. They only credited one person. Why would it's they weird? Do that? Like, I feel like it set me up from the first moment of this movie to be <laughs> like confused and aggravated. Or I was like, why would you just credit one actor? There's like many voice actors in this thing, which is such a disappointment because a you're not crediting the other actors, and b 
you're ruining to me the the actual good opening titles and the closing credits with the effects of like the like the cool like effects of like things deteriorating and sort of fizzling out. I thought all of that was so cool looking, and then I got mad that the credit was so short. <laughs> um, like visually, it was really uh, cool and on theme, but I thought that was so strange. So even in something like that, where it's it's not behaving in a way that I guess as long as it's okay with the actors guild that they do that fine, take those liberties or whatever, but I'm pretty sure you have to put people in there. Yeah. It felt felt like I was like, is this not like a union thing? thing? Like, don't you need to like properly credit the act, like all of the actors? Like as much as I love Matt Bomer and I do, he's he's great. Such a beautiful man. But uh, why just him? Like there's, there's more characters than just the flash in this movie. I don't, I I don't get it. (laughs) So uh, there are a lot of very confusing things about this adaptation. Also, I want to, I want to bring up a comment from Andy in the chat um, that says uh, in the interview he did with Nolan North, who uh, played Constantine in this movie, he said he got told in the middle of recording his lines that it was Constantine. Feels like something you would need to know. Feels like that would be important to your performance. <laughs> uh, and Andy says it was strange. He only had homeless man listed in the script, but even Nolan was suspecting he was playing Constantine. So even the poor actor had to be like reading between the lines, like <laughs> and trying Constantine to figure is a, out what he was doing. <laughs> Constantine is a very specific kind of character, too. Like yes. it seems like playing. Constantine versus just playing a homeless man is going to be different, I think. You, you you would feel like you would maybe want to know if you're playing kind of a more iconic character that has an established personality, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess this is the first part. Maybe more is to come. That will be exciting and uh, we'll have more information for us as viewers in the meantime whenever uh part two hits we'll try to do some homework and try to catch up on the tomorrow verse and make sure that we've uh, done our due diligence uh before we get to part two do we know when part two is coming out no idea it's cool is it sometime in march (laughs) it's not even like girls on the bus which is like maybe sometime in march Uh, set aside march for this (laughs) part two has as far as i know uh maybe some people in the chat know but as far as i could see there was no release date for part two as of yet okay so we're just going to be in suspense for (laughs) question mark question mark some amount of time (laughs) uh hopefully sooner rather than later uh but i guess this will give us some time to uh to really dig into the tomorrowverse we'll have to figure out uh with supergirl radio how we would like to do that because we can maybe do it several different ways so uh we'll, we we'll, have a we'll, lot of homework to do <laughs> we'll brainstorm about see that. if part two after we've done the homework we'll see if part two is more comprehensible to us uh yeah uh, uh tevia in the chat says there was a trailer for crisis part two so we do we do have a trailer it just at the end of the trailer i, I thought there would be like a coming in february 2024 and it did say that as far as i could see so, uh, so i guess we'll, sometime soon we'll we'll get an update i guess at some point uh when that will happen uh i assume they've 
they would release this in a, a some some fat you know fashionable order so that like this one comes out and then maybe in a couple of months part two comes out and then in a couple of months part three i don't know i don't know hmm. hopefully it's not like two years from now hopefully oh it's like within the same year uh is my hope so okay well i guess we have uh talked as much as we can about part one <laughs> and our feelings about it uh, but maybe we should make some snap ju- judgments about it in the game of snap judgments each person is presented with two options but must only choose one first instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary um, before we get to a snap judgment, I have an important, uh, <laughs> important fun fact oh, good. Um, from Andy uh, for <laughs> any Pretty Little Liars fans in here, which obviously I am one and I'm sure <laughs> you've but do- dozens, at least two or three uh, among our listeners. Spencer's father is uh, John Constantine, Superman, Green Lantern, and Superboy. Let that sink in. So he has done quite a lot of voices in the DC animated universe. I believe his name, is, the actor's name is Nolan North. Okay. Yeah. Uh, could, but he's not Superman in this crisis on Infinite Earth. No, on, on this one, he was uh, he was Constantine. It turned out halfway through his performance. <laughs> he was he found out. Part of it. He, he got to discover along with the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, getting to snap judgments. Um, if you had to work with a member of the crime syndicate to save the world, who would you rather be partnered up with? Superwoman or Ultraman? So we got Superwoman with the lasso of submission, not the lasso of truth. And then we have Ultraman who's cussing and punching uh, uh, the big uh, energy wave thingies. (laughs) Um, I Hmm. guess I would maybe go with Ultraman. At least he seemed like, like kind of punk rock. I enjoyed that. Superwoman was... A little scary. I'm gonna be honest. I was like, I don't like the way she's talking about submission with that. I don't, I don't care for that. I don't like what she's doing with that lasso. She's, she kind of scared me a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> Ultraman, at least he was kind of like, whatever. I'm not, you know, uh, here to save the world. I'm just gonna punch things. He at least seemed like he had a little bit of a like a fun personality. If you really wanted to like party with him, I guess. But, <laughs> but Superwoman. She was a little she's a little too intense for me. So I'm gonna go Ultraman on this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go I that you make some really strong points. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go in the opposite direction. I'm gonna go no. woman. Oh she's got like kind of like a fun, like goth, uh goth girl vibes. And I feel like listen, once once we get past all of the like trying to kill people i feel like i feel like like we could take like a fun little weekend trip to salem and like like adopt a black cat and, like i don't know like read each other's tarot cards you know? <laughs> halloween spooky vibes all the time that kind of stuff I could, I could, I could, I could fix her. I could change her. <laughs> We'd be best friends. I guess if you could get ba- past her calling you an idiot and yeah. taking you to the hall of crime, I guess you'd be fine. 
Yeah, she listen. Is she nice right now? No, but is, <laughs> but are is she going to be really fun to gossip with later? Absolutely. She, you know she's going to come up with the meanest nicknames for people she's that you gotta, don't like. She's got a burn book for. She's sure. got yes. She definitely has a burn book. She's just like flipping through it. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, oh, so, yes, I realized have, that there have, is one more. We have one more because uh, this this one I feel very strongly about. So this is like a, this is important. Discuss it. This is an important one. Should it be pronounced Helena or Helena or is it, or, or Hel- Hel- Helena or Helena? Oh yes, Helena or Helena. Yeah, I'm 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 Helena all the way. I think if you're gonna especially do like Earth Two Huntress, it has to be Helena. I that's just my feeling on it. But I just was very surprised they went with the Helena route on this one. Yeah, I'm. I gotta go Helena too. That's. I mean, that's usually how I've heard it pronounced in all of the different various, uh, uh, various things. So it felt weird that they were pronouncing it a different, a different way. Maybe, maybe. Well, it seemed like it was supposed to be the Earth Two Hundreds because she was the daughter of Catwoman as well. Uh, that's typically Earth Two uh, Huntress. But I, in my head, I'm just going to assume it's like some other Earth where on that Earth she pronounces it uh, Helena. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess I'll just go with that. Um, I should mention, uh, if we go back to Superwoman, uh, new Rachel says her shoulders were out. You know what? This is what I was obviously <laughs> this is what I was vibing with. She just seems so powerful, you know? <laughs> if it's good enough for Lena Luther, it's good enough for me. <laughs> she even has kind of a Lena Luther. Oh no, I'm seeing it now. I, I, understand, why, I understand why I like her. She's got her <laughs> Lena Luther vibe. She kind of looks like they were drawing off of a picture of Katie McGraw. <laughs> yeah. So uh if uh if you're new to Supergirl radio, uh Lena Luther on Supergirl, the TV show, uh, got her powers from her her many dresses that she uh had uh, uh strapless uh gowns that she would have where her shoulders would be out. Um so that is uh that was when she was most powerful. That was when <laughs> that was when she was really power. in charge. Yes. Is <laughs> when she had a, a all of her shoulders out in the middle of a work day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess that is going to do it uh, for this round of uh, snap judgments. Thank you for helping me land on a pronunciation of Earth to Huntress. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, I guess we need to get to some Supergirl Radio and some DC TV podcast plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live. 
and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you're in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Hello, and thank you for calling the DC TV Podcast Hotline. Please listen carefully as some of our menu options have changed. Supergirl Radio, press 1. The Flash Podcast, press 2. Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, press 3. The Lithuation Room, press 4. DC on HBO Max Podcast, press 5. Stargirl Podcast, press 6. Superman and Lois Radio, press 7. Green Lantern Podcast, press 8. Sandman Podcast, press 9. Justice League Dark Podcast, press 10. DC After Dark, press 11. For all other inquiries, please stay on the line and the next available agent will be with you shortly. I am going to update those plugs. I think I'm going to do that this weekend. We're, we're going to do a temporary plug Ooh. just to update things so that we're not so out of date anymore. Also, before we get to the Tee Public store, because I really want people to know about what's in the Tee Public store. And it looks like Bunsen does, too. Bunsen, that's all he wants. <laughs> um, uh, we should get to a uh, live chat comment from Aaron that we didn't get to, uh, where uh, Aaron says, one of the Supergirl writers, Katie Rose Rogers, just released a short story episode of a podcast. Uh, I guess, uh, is the podcast called Unlike-Minded? Um, yeah. And that episode is narrated by Katie McGraw. So uh, speaking of Superwoman uh, looking like Katie McGraw, we've got uh, a narration from her ooh, i'll have to check out that podcast for some reason i saw some of this going around on uh on twitter the other day and i was like oh is it like an audiobook i don't really have time for that but if it was like a podcast episode i could do that for that, sure that could be fun bunsen is excited about it he he loves the idea he 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 doesn't apparently he doesn't want to be he wants to be adjacent to the camera but not <laughs> So not shy this way on the camera. This week. <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, we will try to find that uh, podcast episode and link to it. And I'll also try to find uh, Andy's. Um, Andy, if you're still watching, uh, I'll also maybe bug him later to get his interviews that we can also share uh, uh, that, that are apparently very needed information uh, in watching. <laughs> very, very helpful. No, buddy. <laughs> No, no, you can't have the wire. I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Say hi, Bunsen. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Bunsen said, it's time for the tea public store plug, Morgan. <laughs> He's like, I'm I'm here every week now. I know what this is all about. <laughs> I know the, the way these things are run. Uh <laughs> I, I like that the okay we uh, didn't update it from last week because it says in oh no but it's it's it is still true because we have talked about cats in this episode <laughs> it just happens to be Bunsen that we talked about I forgot to update that from uh, our nine kittens of Christmas episode uh, so uh, I guess we could tease some crisis merch though yes specifically uh, for this episode. Did you like a lot of the characters in it? Did you like just the concept of Crisis? Well, guess <laughs> what? You can get uh, all kinds of merch in our DC TV podcast T Public store that we would love uh, to suggest to you. Yeah, uh, we have some really cool Crisis merch in the DC TV podcast T Public store, done uh, designed, I should say, by the great co at Comicer Girl. Uh, so if you follow uh, uh, Sarah on 
uh, Twitter or Instagram, or you look at her blog, uh, a Comicker Girl has designed some uh, crisis merch that we have in our store. We have hoodies, we have t-shirts, we have mugs, we have phone cases. Uh, it's really clever. Uh, so I think if you are interested in crisis and you want some uh, to to represent your love for crisis in a really fun way, uh, check out uh, Sarah Luber's uh, designs in the T public store. And we would like to thank our legion of uh, super sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Ann, Marie, Yvonne, Nicola, Abby, Miriam, Nicole, Brian, Ethan, Danny, Majuba, Zachary, Annie, and Rachel. And if you would like to become a legion of super sponsor, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash supergirlradio. Uh, we've done a lot of things recently. Uh, we've done some pilot pods. I uh, talked about Static Shock. And uh, recently... Uh, we uh, tried out the StreamYard feature where you can now stream, uh, live stream through StreamYard to Instagram. It went great. It was weird. <laughs> it was real weird. Some, some of you might have even jumped onto it. Even some of you we, who are uh, up late at night. Up late at you. night. We were on, we were all streaming live. We were confused about what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> classic was, supergirl radio vibes <laughs> it was like our own crisis it was, was our <laughs> own crisis we just don't really know what we would use it for you know <laughs> basic stream yard stuff yeah so apparently you can stream to instagram if you want to do that but only for an hour which is tough for us because we never stay to an hour We're a little wordy <laughs> <laughs> um and i also uh just to, as an update to that i never found it in our archive it was supposed to archive. Not. It was supposed to go to the archive, <laughs> and then it wasn't there. Are we surprised? Really? Not, not really. So I don't know that we'll be doing any uh, streaming from StreamYard to Instagram anytime soon. Uh, but if you want to see us test that out, it's a pretty fun uh, test uh, for it. You can uh, check us out uh, at patreon.com slash supergirlradio. Well, if you want to keep up with me, you could do... Oh, no, that's Morgan. Those are Morgan's plugs. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can find me on several places. I'm on Vero at Derby Kid, uh, where I share what I'm watching, uh, what I'm listening to, uh, some some videos that I've worked on. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid, where I like to share uh, Instagram. Instagram stories of like uh, dogs on escalators and uh, kittens or cats in the, walking in the snow. Uh, real, real fun stuff over on Instagram. Uh, I also have a personal YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, which I really need to get some new content up on. Uh, so that should be happening uh, within the next couple of weeks. So uh, be following me over there. And uh, I also should mention, that this week, uh, DC Cinematic Minute, which is a podcast about the DCEU and uh, DC movies in general. Uh, I am the featured guest uh, podcaster uh, for minutes 171 uh, through 175 of Zack Snyder's Justice League. So if you want to hear me uh, chatting it up with Mark and Nate over there, uh, make sure you're subscribed to DC Cinematic Minute and check out those episodes. I personally think they're pretty great. I'm pretty biased. Uh, but we, uh, in one of the episodes, we talked about uh, there's a moment in Zack Snyder's Justice League where Lois is reaching into a box to get out one of Clark's Fan, uh, f uh, flannel shirts to because you know shirtless for a large portion <laughs> and uh, she gets a, a flannel out of a box and I was so glad because I had written in my notes how did they achieve this shot <laughs> because <laughs> uh, because it's a it's a, a perspective looking through the box and then the box like 
like the camera moves up through the box. And uh, I was so glad that Mark and Nate brought it up because I was like, oh, I want to talk about this. <laughs> so it it seems like a boring shot. Uh, but we talked about it at great length about how that thing was accomplished. Uh, so if you are into nerdy stuff like that, check out DC Cinematic Minute because it's one of my favorite podcasting moments just because I was like, I wonder, I wondered about that too. I also wanted to know what's in the box. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, my minutes are happening uh, this week. So Monday and Tuesday have already come out. So Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, you will also hear uh, my conversations with him over there. That's awesome. Uh, you can catch up with me on social media at, at Mojotastic on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legendary Ladies podcast, which you can find uh, at at the Legendary Ladies on YouTube and Instagram and at Legends underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, this week, I think we are going to be talking about... Uh, we might be talking about the Oscars. We might be like digging in a little oh. bit to the Oscar nominations. We were like, it's of the moment. It's now. Why not? <laughs> why not do it? Last week, Amy and I talked about the uh, the Showtime um, show fellow travelers which mm -hmm. actually also stars matt bomer so I oh, a lot like, of matt bomer really, really having a matt bomer moment i <laughs> uh, don't hate it uh, <laughs> so if you miss that you can always catch up with uh with that episode or if you have if you have uh hot takes opinions about the oscar nomination <gasps> oh i do definitely like send us send us in some some of your thoughts you can tweet us at legends underscore podcast you can email us at the legendary ladies at gmail.com let us know what you thought thought did did you like the nominations D what about the snubs how'd you feel about <laughs> the snubs uh yeah send us in your thoughts because i'm sure we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about it i gotta be honest and say that i haven't watched like all of the oscar movies so now i feel like i gotta like really buckle down and and see some more of these because i've i've been meaning to see a couple of them but like some of them are three hours and it's like you gotta be in the right mood you know are you, are you serious about one hot takes? Because I might send you an email. Ooh, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> scorching hot. Because <laughs> when I saw an article today about, oh my gosh, Greta Gerwig and and Margot Robbie weren't nominated for Barbie, I was like, yeah, that movie was terrible. Why would they be nominated for that? <laughs> so I have really hot takes about that. Greta Gerwig might be a great director, just not for this one. Just yeah. not for so. Let her win an Oscar for some other movie. Just not for Barbie. <laughs> I know we That's just my about take. Barbie, but yeah, I was, I was, I wasn't surprised so much about Margot. I think it was a very tough uh, actress category this year, but I was surprised about Greta. It, it does feel like there might have been like, oh no, we already, we already nominated a lady. We can't updo. Uh, but you know. They, they nominate who they nominate. Uh, the, the Oscars continue to be wild in the ones that they do nominate and the ones that they don't nominate. I feel like there's always a there's always a long list of people who are angry about snubs every time that the Oscar nominations come out. And it's one of the most fun days to be on social media because <laughs> everyone's like, what about this person? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. What about them? That sucks. <laughs> well, I would be more upset if the movie she made won an oscar because it makes no sense barbie as a movie makes no sense so i would prefer for greta gorg if she was going to win an oscar to win uh one for a story that makes sense i mean 
I, I, I believe I believe Barbie is nominated for Best Picture. So, are I, you serious? Yes, yes. So, for the people who are who are really upset about it, like if Barbie wins, Greta gets to go up and and accept the uh, accept the the nomination. I'm gonna have a meltdown. I'm gonna have a complete meltdown. That was nominated <laughs> for Best Picture. It the was. Oscars have not mattered to me for a long time. Once I realized how like political they were, and like I guess if you pay a little money to the the. Uh, oh yeah, the, 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 you know, the studio campaign. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's not like they're getting it on merit, but oh my gosh, come on! That movie made no, absolutely no sense by the end of it. Why would Barbie choose the patriarchal real world? I never understood it. I cannot believe. <laughs> to be fair, I would also stay in Barbie world. So. <laughs> seemed better everything was pink but yeah there's a i mean quite a few nominations and i wasn't surprised that it was nominated but for you know it it does suck that she didn't get the uh the director nomination but you know these things are always a little bit wild uh i don't i don't i don't don't know if you all want my hot take (laughs) might be too hot it might might be too it might be too too scorching hot because oh my gosh Best picture. See, all right, this is I've seen so the- few of these. Wow. Uh, is Barbie the only one I've seen? That's not good. <laughs> I think sometimes they will nominate movies like that also just so people will watch because people are not watching the Oscars anymore because they suck. They're like three hours long. Nobody cares. The movies that they're nominated, nobody's seen. The hosts are terrible. So it's like, why do you watch the Oscars? So if there's a chance that Barbie might win Best Picture, maybe people will tune in, actually. Um, So I don't know that it's getting there on merit. I think it's getting there because they want people to tune in. Um, So I think I've frozen up. Have I frozen up? Yeah, I think so. I almost made it two hours. And then uh, (laughs) I mean, this has got to be a record for us. recently. (laughs) (laughs) StreamYard was very unhappy about my uh, my take. Your hot Um, takes were too hot for StreamYard. (laughs) So unfortunately, I have to go out and come back in in order to help us end the stream here. So uh can you maybe talk sure. more about the Oscars and I will I can, come back in? I can vamp. I okay. Can vamp. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm sorry to make no you do problem. this. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking at the list of best pictures and realizing that I have seen just Barbie. Uh, so that's embarrassing. I feel like uh, I will say that uh, Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer are both on my two watch lists. I've heard great things about past lives. Um, and some of these I've truly haven't even heard of uh, at all. I don't know what zone of interest is or what it's about. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of also that there's a lot of best picture nominees. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are ten. There are they, ten. They best did pictures. extend it. Uh, I need to check my uh, microphone. Yeah. Um, they did extend it to ten. I, if I remember correctly, when The Dark Knight came out. Because oh. people were like, I mean, The Dark Knight is a great film, but like it's a comic book movie. Can we can we also nominate other 
movies, but then also nominate this comic book film. And so I think they extended it to 10 films. Are, we, Dark are we serious people? If we nominate a movie, people are excited to see in the theaters. <laughs> that was uh, actually pretty good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I, that's true. I, you're right. I think that happened like, what, like 10 10 years ago or so? Maybe I think more. It, I think it happened with The Dark Knight. That's when I remember it. Um, yeah, so I definitely have some hot takes. Uh, so maybe I won't uh, put that on The Legendary Ladies. <laughs> maybe, maybe The Legendary Ladies won't want that. But if your hot takes are maybe like a little less. A little less, <laughs> a little less intense. <laughs> the, the, the Legendary Ladies at gmail.com. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to have to now watch all of the other Best Picture nominees just to cleanse the palate. <laughs> uh, Mark says yes, because The Dark Knight didn't get nominated. So they raised the limit the following year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do remember there was a lot of like it was it was much like today where everyone was mad. Uh, I have to say Oscar nomination day is one of my favorite days to be on social media. Everyone's just so angry about <laughs> who, who didn't get nominated. And it's really it's honestly if you just like see who everyone's angry about and then jot down those movie names, you probably have a, like a pretty nice movie night for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mostly don't care. I just uh, so dislike so heavily dislike the Barbie movie that I just like oh my gosh um but uh I think it's just there so people will tune in but watch watch Barbie win best picture <laughs> and it will go down in the history books as uh similar to uh Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca from 1940 it'll be just like Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca just just the same quality as that one <laughs> Oh um, yeah, yeah. When we, when we're when we're really old, we'll be like, you know, you remember Barbie, that <laughs> classic film, a classic film. I mean, it will be at that point. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some somebody uh, thirty years in the future is going to be on Turner Classic Movies, uh, uh, the Essentials, where they talk about the movies that really made it made film cinema for them. <laughs> Mind the Gap has a good point. Didn't Minari get nominated for Best Foreign Movie when it was set in Arkansas? Uh, yeah, yeah. the Oscars are a wild... Listen, you just got to strap in. You just got to be like, whatever they're going to do, they're going to do. Uh, and every year there's a fun controversy. And that's that's really the gift that the Oscar gives to us is just like the discourse. So... I think I'm, I'm glad it, it's it's still it's still it's still delivering year after year <laughs> in that way. It's actually really sad because when I was growing up, I loved award season. I watched all the award shows. I would fill out a little ballot. <laughs> I lo I loved it. Now I'm like I don't I don't care. I don't even watch them anymore. Um, so I'm just gonna go back to watching movies I want to watch. That's and that's I think end. that's a good. A uh, way to handle that. You don't. You don't have to watch movies like homework if you're not interested. You don't. You just don't have to watch it. <laughs> I think that's a great way to live your life. Just watch the movies you want to watch. <laughs> that seems good. Um. Oh, and I did not uh, bring up my Google Doc of oh things that we need to say. As we uh, I think this. we were right at the we were right at the end right at right at the end. Streamyard was like, nope, not today. <laughs> uh, so, well, I guess after all of that talk, after that uh, very long tangent that we took about the Oscars, um, uh, I'm lo looking forward to hearing uh, the le legendary ladies talk about it, though. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we must bear witness to Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths part two whenever that's whenever happening. it happens <laughs> <laughs>
I do love not typing. mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio.